0: Well, good evening. Let's all uh, stand and go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so blessed to be able to come here and freely worship you, Lord. We hear about persecution, Father, and we here have no idea really what that is, Lord. And Our brothers and sisters all over this world are being persecuted for their faith and testimony of your Son. But Father, as we gather here tonight, we know that the world is spinning out of control, Lord. Lawlessness is abounding. The love of many is growing cold. And there's wars and rumors of wars, Father. But we shouldn't worry because we know that you gave us your son to die for us, Father. And sometimes it's so hard for us to grasp the gravity of that, Father, and just the wonderful gift that it is. But Lord, we are just so grateful for what you did for us, Father. And instead of fear, Father, I pray that you would just Give us fresh revelation and hope in what you have prepared for us, Father, in your eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: From wherever you've been, come broken heart, rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't heal. So lay down your burden dance, lay down your shame, all who are broken. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's a rest for the weary, and rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow, heaven can't cure. So lay down your burdens. Oh No so. In
0: Father, we thank you again for bringing us here together tonight, Father. We're here of our own free will, Father, to hear what you have to say. Father, we ask that you would, uh, that you would bless Pastor Mike and all of our brothers who are attending the leadership conference right now, Father, that they will come back uh, with just fresh revelation of who you are, Father, and, and share it with us when they return. And, Father, we ask that you would bless Matt's uh, words tonight, Father, that you would use him as an instrument of your will, Father, that we may grow in your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Can you hear me? You're good? Perfect. Good enough? Well, guys, welcome. As you see, I am not Pastor Mike. Uh, but we are going to be looking through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1-13 tonight. So we're going to take a little detour from what you've been studying on Wednesday night. And we're going to look and see... Um, this is going to be one of Paul's letters to the church at Corinth, so a little background first. But before we jump into this, um, I'll let you get turned there to it, but we're going to go ahead and pray and uh, just ask God to bless this time. Heavenly Father, I just I come before you just humbled and, and just thank you for the, just the opportunity to just be able to come here, Lord, and just talk about you and to learn more and learn how we can just implement you in every part of our lives, Father, and I just I pray Lord that you hide me behind the, your cross father and that your words come out lord and not mine and uh, I just pray that you prepare all of our hearts for for what you have in store for us this evening and we ask all these things in your precious and holy son's name amen All right little background on 1 Corinthians chapter 10 So in Paul's day Corinth is it's the province of Achaea it's southern Greece what is now southern Greece it's Every major trade route, north, south, east, west, it all went through Corinth. So you can imagine how important his church was to him. So what happened is, since it's the center center of uh, all this trade and all this traffic, you can imagine how quickly people can get derailed. You have all these different goods and idols and all kinds of goods coming in from all over the world, or their world at the time. All surrounding countries, they they don't have the same religion or the same beliefs. So it was also the center of the world's greatest immorality in the city. Now the temple of Aphrodite, for example, still stood in the temple up on the hill. It overlooked the entire city, and every night a thousand men and women would come down and try to tempt the people into into sin to honor the goddess. Uh, just to give you an idea of what goes on in the city at night, so. Paul established his church in Corinth at about 51 AD. So it was on his second missionary journey that he took when he went there that he established it. So it's been where we're at in chapter 10, it's about 56 AD. Paul is in Ephesus, and he's received a letter from the church, and they're talking about some of the issues that are going on. Now, the first issue raised is about the division in the church. There's a lot of people going different ways, believing different things. Uh, He's going to address that. The second issue had to do with immorality. Uh, Lawsuits were the third issue. The fourth was about marriage. And the fifth, which we'll go into even further, he had a big issue with this. The fifth issue was eating meat sacrificed to idols. Idolatry was a huge problem in the city. Now, Paul took the last issue and he applied it further as to how a mature believer will live their life. That they'll take their rights but also limit their rights for the sake of the gospel and to further the gospel. Basically meaning just because you have the freedoms to do everything, Paul talks about if you do something that causes another brother or sister in Christ to stumble, or from someone from coming to the belief of it because of the way we're living or acting or the things we're doing, what he's trying to warn against here is to put those aside and to put them down. So in 1 Corinthians, just in the previous chapter, 927, uh, he talks about... Well, actually, let's read through the uh, full scripture text here in a second. So Corinthians 9.27, he says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself become disqualified. He was very careful and deliberate in the way he lived his life so that he himself didn't become disqualified as a teacher. Now, there's a lot of times we may want to say something to somebody, but we may feel ourselves disqualified. This is the warning that he's talking against here. So let's quickly go through uh, the full text that we're going to go through tonight, and then we're going to break it in by verse by verse. All right? So 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as for some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some also did, or as son also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has seized you or has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way to escape so that you may be able to bear it. There's a lot there, guys. Um, We're going to try to get through all of it tonight. I'm going to try not to go too long. But let's jump right in and start breaking it down. Uh, The first part may seem a bit strange to you if, if you don't really know the background of what Paul's talking about. He's referencing Old Testament examples here. What he's trying to get the people to see is from the struggles of the Israelites coming out of Egypt, he uses a lot of their griping and complaining as examples along the way here. So when he says, moreover, brethren, in the first verse... I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Excuse me. Under the cloud and through the sea. Paul's drawing lessons, examples, uh, like I said, from the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt. All of the fathers had been blessed with the same blessing and that all lived under that same cloud as they traveled. Now, all had escaped through the parting of the Red Sea. This was found in Exodus 14. Now, in verse 2, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, when it says baptized into Moses, it's talking about when you come and open your heart to Jesus, then you're baptized and immersed into Jesus. Now, the water baptism is a picture of what God has already done in our lives. The example that he's showing here is they had a similar baptism, but it was actually as they passed through the red sea they had to trust god and go through that water that was parted and come out the other side hopefully different and then in verse 3 all ate the same spiritual food now when the israelites were in the wilderness they didn't have the same food that they had in egypt this was a cause of some of their great grum- grumbling they were upset because they wanted better food god provided them manna if you remember now in john 6:32 through 33 he says then Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you Moses did not give you the bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of god is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world we also have blessing of god's word which feeds us spiritually so in a way we all get those blessings and that that spiritual nourishment as we go. He used the example of the actual bread and the manna that was given to the Israelites as they traveled. Now, verse 4, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, when it says that rock was Christ, not only did he provide bread and food for them in the wilderness, but he also provided water. Okay? twice it's recorded. Exodus seventeen, one through nine and in Numbers twenty one through thirteen, each case God brought forth water from a rock. Now what they have to remember is it wasn't it was a gift from God, yes, but what did they have to do to receive it? They had to get up and go to the rock, right? They actually had to get up and move somewhere. It required an effort on their part which we'll come back to in a little bit. In verse 5 he says, But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now with most of them he wasn't well pleased. Paul has warned his readers about being disqualified. We talked about it earlier in 9.27 from 1 Corinthians, when he says, I discipline my body so that I don't become disqualified. He's very adamant about this through his entire letter to this church. It is the way you live matters. Your actions, how you speak, the way you treat people, it matters. People are watching. They're looking for something real. They're looking for something genuine, something that they can believe in. But if we give them the back and forth, the hot and cold, if we're lukewarm, the Bible says, I'll spew you from my mouth. He goes, be either hot or cold. It confuses people, and that's he didn't want confusion in the church and in the church body. So then he says, Now these things become our examples in verse 6, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Now, these things became our examples. What he's talking about is to not fall into the trap of not taking value in the Old Testament lessons. He's warning them, using the Old Testament to show them his foundation and his, his belief system is founded from the Old Testament, but a lot of people, you'll hear him even say nowadays, well, it's the Old Testament, we're in the New Covenant, we don't have to worry about any of that. Well, guys, we do. <laughs> There's a lot of lessons to be gained from testing God and grumbling against our Father. And what he's saying is you've got to look into the past to see where you came from, to see where you're going. Now, there's a big difference between just looking at the past and dwelling in it. Now, the Bible also talks about that no man who looks back from the plow is worthy. So you have to make sure you're not dwelling on the past. That's not what he's talking about here. Look and know where you came from. Know your history. And know the lessons learned. But don't dwell in it so that it inhibits your walk as you move forward. Then he goes on. Numbers uh, 11.4, he gave a good example. It was um, after God had been feeding the people with the bread of heaven. That was when the lust actually came up. They had food. They had stuff. They had something to just wet the palate, if you will. It was just that little bit of temptation that they took a little further. So in Numbers 11.4, he says, Now the mixed multitudes were among them, yielding to intense cravings. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? The intense cravings is what I want you to focus on there. When he says that they, gave, they yielded to intense cravings, that's the lust. There are many things that you can be lustful for that in themselves aren't evil. Money in itself isn't evil, the lust of money is evil. There's a, there's a big difference between thinking about something and really wanting after it, to have those intense cravings and then give in to them. That's the lust he's warning about here. It starts with the little things, and it draws you back into that old life, that old sin nature, and it just keeps going and building and building and building. It's easy to fall back into that old way, because what's going to happen? Just like the people got that little piece of bread, and then that's bark something in their mind, and the devil's going to start playing tricks. He does it with us nowadays. We get just a little, a little taste of something, and we want more. And we want it now. And we'll do anything we can to get it, even if it sacrifices our walk with God. And that's what we have to guard our hearts about. And Paul also talks about dying to himself daily. So don't let those little things, don't let, the, don't let the devil get his foot in the door so that he's able to just use those little things to push it wide open. Okay. He may only have that door cracked open just a little bit. That's all he needs. So verse 8, he says, Nor let us commit sexual immorality. And some of them did, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell because of their immorality. So as we begin to see, sexual immorality was a big issue in the city of Corinth. Um, as it is in our modern day society. I mean, it's everywhere. You turn the TV on, you go on the internet, you can't escape it. You turn the radio on and people are talking about it. It's everywhere. And it's it's difficult for a Christian to try to navigate through the waters of what am I going to listen to? What am I going to watch? What are the restrictions going to be in the house? Are we going to allow rated R movies? Are we only going to go to PG-13? There's all these... We try to do all this balancing act. But guys, it's... The basic principle that Paul's talking about here is, if you can think to yourself, "Is this? if me watching this, if somebody that I didn't know or that was watching me knew that I watched it, does it cause them to stumble? That's what he keeps asking himself. Does it cause them to stumble? If it does, don't do it. We can't afford that because we can't disqualify ourselves to share the word. So in chapter in verse nine, nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Tempt literally means to test, to question God's character and power. Now the story that Paul's remembering here took place towards the end of the wilderness, towards the end of the wandering, where once again they were complaining about bad and old food, and that they didn't like the taste of it. They wanted meat, they wanted something different. So there was a lesson that they had to learn through testing God's patient. This wasn't the first time of their complaining about their circumstances. Some people were always complaining. Now, uh, an illustration I found while while studying for the message today says, a woman's husband had been slipping in and out of a coma for several months, yet she had stayed by his bedside every single day. One day, he finally came out of it, and he mentioned for her to come nearer, She sat by him, and he whispered, eyes full of tears, You know what? You've been with me through all of the bad times. When I got fired, you were there to support me. When my business failed, you were there. When I got shot, you were by my bedside. When I lost the house, you stayed right there. When my health started failing, you were still by my side. And you know what? She said, What, dear? Tears and warmth welling up inside her. I think you're bad luck. <laughs> and, and guys, it's funny, but that's kind of the reality of life, is God has set us free from the slavery of sin and death. He's delivered us from Egypt, but there's more. There's, there's a promised land that he's promised. He promised it to the Israelites, and they finally got there. It took a very, very long time because of this grumbling and the sinning and the constant questioning. But guys, what's your promised land? What has God promised you? It's a difficult road to get there, right? Take a lesson from the Israelites as they came out of Egypt. It's hard. Tons of challenges. I don't know if you're in, on a mountaintop or in a valley. But just remember, there is a promised land for you. As long as you have accepted the gift that God has given by the death of his son to save each and every one of us, you have that promise. It's waiting for you. Things are hard. This world, it's why we're only meant to be, we're only here for a short time. We're not meant to stay here. It's not our place. We belong with our father. But there's there's a rough road to get there. And the devil's going to... What he wants you to know is as you're tempted and you're following Jesus, you may even think, well, maybe following Jesus is bad luck. He's not. He's the one getting you through it. He's got you this far. So just remember, on the way to that promise, there's going to be bumps. There's going to be bruises. You're going to have detours. You're going to get turned around. You may get lost. But God's there to point you in the right way and to finally get you to it. Don't be your own roadblock on your path. you got to get out of your own way. We're our own worst enemies. So verse 10, he says, Nor complain, as some of them also complain. There's a common theme here of complaining. And were destroyed by the destroyer. There's so many instances. Now, we don't know exactly what he's referring to here, but in Exodus 6.12, they complain about food. In Numbers 14.2, they complained about the giants in the Promised Land. Uh Numbers 16.3, they even complained about Moses and Aaron's authority over them. So lots of complaining. Now verse 11, it says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admon- admonition, upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Him who thinks he stands... If the nation of Israel had so many benefits from God, so many blessings given to them, yet did so poorly, do you think that we're immune to doing stupid things? (laughs) Quite the contrary. If they're falling to the same pitfalls and all that we, there's nothing new. We'll look at that here in just a second in the next verse. In Proverbs... um, Ta-da, if I can find it here, I don't think I have that one. Sorry. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, "Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall." The lesson from, Israel he, or the lesson from Israel's history here is showing us to take inventory in our own lives. What have you? What are you doing right now? What's what's going on? Not to think. Instead, what a bunch of idiots they were, and to look down on them for the mistakes they made. As we make the same kind of mistakes that they do, we complain all the time. I know I do. I'm very guilty of complaining. I don't think something may happen, and I'll be like, oh, it's not fair. Why me? Why is that happening to me? God showed me even through this study, he slapped me in the face with the Bible, and was like, you know, it's why not you? Why shouldn't you have to suffer? I've given you the, the best gift you'll ever receive, and he suffered greatly for it. And we still think we should be able to ask, why me? It's why not me? And you may say, Matt, well, you don't understand my situation. You are absolutely right. I have no idea what you're going through. I don't know what valley or what struggle or what temptation or what sin that you're struggling through. Whether it's a death in the family or just a difficult time. I don't know. But God does. God does. Yeah, I can try to tell you a sob story from my past and try to relate, but then all I'm doing is adding on to your struggle. I don't want to do that. I want to point you to the one who understands, who knows your struggle, who knows where you're coming from. I want to point you back to God. And he says, well, Matt, my situation's unique. It's different than anybody else. No one's gone through this. Listen to this next verse very carefully. Verse 13 No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This is one of my favorite verses. I I don't like the term life verse, but this would be it. No temptation has taken overtaken you except what's common to man. What he's telling you right here is the devil doesn't have new tricks. He doesn't. He has an easier way of maybe getting some stuff to you. Information travels a lot easier nowadays. But his tricks are all the same. He combats you. He comes at you the same way. Same as he did back in 56 AD as he does now in 2017. Now, he uses a different form of the word temptation three times just in this one verse. It may be a temptation to sin that comes across your plate. It may just be a difficult situation or a trial that you're going through and trying to to move past it. And then he says, what's common to man? Don't think you're the only person going through it. We're a body of believers and a support system for a reason. We're meant to be a family to bring each other up. If the devil gets you thinking that you're alone and that nobody's there and no one's listening, he's got you right where he wants you. Just remember to close your eyes and pray to God, the one that really understands your problem, and you'll remember right away you're not alone. There's no problem he can't overcome. There's no, nothing that he can't beat. But you've got to let him Hebrews four fifteen through 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you have a problem, you've got to take it before God. We tend to hold on to them. I, I, I hold on to mine. I almost look at it as in my own head, and it's one of my biggest downfalls. It's weakness to go and say, I need help. It's the way I was raised. I was raised to, you don't ask for help. You're a man. You you handle it. that's, That's so contrary to what God wants from us. He wants us broken. He wants us on our knees. He wants us, I don't want you to think negatively of this, but he wants you weak so that you rely on his strength. And sometimes the the temptations and the situations that we go through, guys, they are... I can't even imagine what some of you could be going through, how difficult they are. But just remember, it's what's common to man. Somebody somewhere has been through it. And Jesus himself has defeated it and has overcome it for you, for me. Now, the last part, it says, the way of escape. God's going to give you an exit. I thought it was really funny. I was telling somebody before we started, uh, in one of the commentaries I was reading through, it correlates this this lesson back to 1 Samuel, which we just went through with David and Saul. Now, in verse uh, chapter 23, 27 through 29 of 1 Samuel, it says, But a messenger came, to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called that place the Rock of Escape. And then David, this is important, then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds of Gedi. David didn't stay where he was and wait for Saul to come back. He got up and he moved. He took the exit that God was giving. Now the problem is, is you may not like the exit that he's giving. That's, that, that comes into a whole different issue. That's a hard issue there. God's going to give you an exit. There's nothing that you can't overcome. It says it right here, and I believe every word of this to be truth from God. He will give you a way out so that you can bear it and that you can stand up under it. But you've got to take the exit. So guys, whatever you're struggling with, whatever's going on in your life, Take the exit, give it to God, and lay it at his feet it 's what he wants let 's pray. dear only Father, I just thank you so much for for your word and just just the living word, Father, and that the power that it brings lord and i just I pray, Father, that in whatever situation we 're struggling with, whatever sin, whatever trial, God that we lay it at your feet and that we remember that we're not alone, no matter how much the devil tries to make us think that we're by ourselves and we're, that we can't reach out to anybody, that it's just too far gone. God, I just pray that you remind us of this lesson, remind us of your words from, from the Bible, Father, that it's a lie straight from the devil, Father, and that you do provide a way out as long as we just take it. And I just pray for continued strength for the members of this congregation and for the ones that are away, Father, that you you just bring them back even more on fire for you, Lord. And I just pray all of these in your precious and holy Son's name. Now, guys, uh, I know for the last few minutes we normally do the, uh, the prayer, which will bring the lights down, and um, I'll be quiet and I'll close this out. But if anybody feels led to pray, um, by all means. and. It is all three of those.
3: Lord, that you would help him to determine where that gift can be used, not only in our fellowship, but if you've got something down the road for him as well. And we'd like to ask you to start building that foundation. And he truly is a man of God and he loves you. And we thank you so much for his time this evening putting together this message. We praise you and we love you, Lord.
2: Dear Heavenly Father, I just again come before you, just humble Lord. There's so many, both praises and so many prayer requests, Father, and you you know them all. Father, I just I ask for healing for the for the spoken prayer requests, Lord, for the ones that weren't spoken, the ones that that, that were holding on too tight, Lord, that that we don't want anybody to know or just don't want to say it out loud father i I pray for healing and god i pray for any hearts that have been hardened from saying no to you over and over and over god i pray that you break them that you break them into pieces lord so that you can put it back together and god i pray for a hedge of protection to be around each and every one of these people here and the members of this congregation lord to So they can go out and fight the good fight, Lord, and keep the devil at bay and keep his lies away. God, I just, I thank you. I thank you for the, the wonderful gifts that you've given each of us. I thank you for your word, for your son, Father, for the sacrifices. God, we thank you. And we ask all these in your precious and holy son's name. Amen. As if you have any questions or any other unspoken prayer requests, I'll be up front here for a while. But you are dismissed. Have a good night.